Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to another episode of the podcast Working Drummer. You might notice a little bit different sound from my intro and my outro. I'm on a two and a half week tour, and I am trying to produce some podcasts while I'm on the road, so I'm in a hotel room speaking into an SM57, which we all know works great on snare drums, but not so much for speaking into. Today's episode, I get a chance to sit down and talk with drummer David Parks. Many musicians, drummers, and uh, just overall fans have known David as the drummer for Low Cash Cowboys. That was his gig for over nine years. Since he's left that group, David's been super busy working with many other artists, and most recently Casey James. David is also the co-creator of the Nashville Drummer's Jam. They had a two-page spread in Modern Drummer not too long ago, and they have a show December 14th coming up here at the Exit Inn here in Nashville, Tennessee. As always, you can go to workingdrummer.net where you can find out more about this podcast and other podcasts we've produced. You can find us on iTunes, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Any comments, questions, or other things you guys want to add to the dialogue is more than welcome. We always like to hear from you and keep the conversation going. So here is David Parks. We both have been flying, so this is crazy. <laughs> you know, I, I flew in late last night, and and we're just getting just all this stuff together. When I so got up. This is awesome. You don't live in Nashville. Uh, well, I'm, I, I split my time between okay. Nashville and uh, my children live in um, Cincinnati. So, like, when I'm off, I'll go there as much as I can, but I'll, I'll stay down here sometimes to do work or whatever. So I, I split. I'm living partially in Nashville and partially in yeah in yeah Cincinnati so but this works out great man yeah so I'm glad because yeah when I got up for lobby call today that was so long ago that I forgot that that was today tell me what what, <laughs> what was today what what happened so you flew from uh, uh give me a second uh, I was in Maine <laughs> I was in Portland Maine really this morning at like 3 a.m. <laughs> I was in Portland Maine like two days ago really did you play the Oxford County Fair? No, no, no. Uh, uh, Savannah Jack was on a one of the another one of the cruise ships uh, planned oh. as guest artist, and and we flew into Halifax, where uh, Sean yeah, was doing the CCMAs with Florida Georgia Line, and we were there in town when they were doing that. And then it's just funny how I like. When was the last time I was in Maine? Uh, 15 years ago, I think. <laughs> hey, everybody, I'm in Maine. <laughs> the, we're in Delaware. <laughs> we're in Delaware now. Uh, yeah. So you were you were there, too. What was the what was going on? Uh, I was out with Casey James. Okay. Uh, the irony of the Nashville Drummers system, bass players don't do this. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. They may, but they, they don't have it like what we have. Um, Jason Schmidt... Uh, called me a couple months ago to do some Brian Davis gigs. I could not do those Brian Davis gigs and he ends up getting Mike Catone yeah. who gets a call from Jeff Brown to go do Casey James gigs. Yeah. <laughs> Follow along with your pen and pad at home. Right. Um, then he says I can't go do these gigs. Can you go do them? And I went, yeah. And then I end up doing the Casey James gig. Uh, he's going to be an actor and do some do some acting or something like that. So he's only got two gigs the rest of the year. Okay. So it's kind of like a, 
hey, look, I got, oh, it's two gigs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you yeah, know, yeah. It, it, it was fun. Uh, he's a class act. It was, it, we didn't go to sleep last night. We just, you know, after the show, went back to the hotel. Wow. He's like, hey, man, there's a lobster in the lobby. Yeah, that Portland. sounds like a party. Let's go. And I'm like, all right. So we went. It's just crazy that you were in Portland and I was in Portland. Yeah, I was texting you and uh, I texted you two or three days ago and said, hey, can, are we good for a, a time today? Yeah. And then you didn't respond. And then you said, hey, what's your schedule like? And I'm like, well, this and that. And I texted you like four or five times. And then you kept on asking I questions. I was, like, I was like, wait a minute. I guess he's not getting my it's yeah. And it was then, really weird. I missed a bunch of texts. Well, then, well, reason. I went back through my phone and it said not delivered, not delivered, not delivered, not delivered. Oh, okay. An hour or two later, and I never saw that. And I'm like, that's oh, he's weird. not getting these. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't know why that happens. As and and that's the kind of the drag about the uh, these cruise gigs is we get on to do you know a night of shows and um, then we're at sea and uh, you know I just. I don't get. It's kind of a blessing, actually, because then I can. I don't. I'm not staring at my phone or my computer. I actually can sit it, down and read a is. book. We did a tour of Europe, and our guitar player left his phone, and and we were like literally minutes from where he left it. We're like, dude, we'll turn around. He goes, nope, I don't want it. He goes, good. Yes. And uh, I missed a really huge audition due to a missed text. Oh no. They called me going, hey, man, where are, where were you today? I'm like, I'm sitting right here. Didn't you get a text about auditions? No. Well, you made auditions. Cool. When are they? Oh, they were today. Oh, and no. The artist was asking you by name. And I'm like, oh. Oh, no. I went, it's amazing I didn't go to Verizon and just yeah, you, you, gorilla that place. I was like right. so angry. But, you know, I think I, I, don't, I wouldn't have gotten the gig anyway. I, you know, like... <laughs> to make it make myself feel better, I guess. <laughs> but you know, it's it's a tough thing, uh, and it's funny because uh, you hear stories of players that were living in Nashville in the '90s that had the pager and had spent money on one of the first answering machines or had an answering service because that's the only way you could stay not, on not, your game, not miss not miss a gig. Not miss a gig, and even at a time when work was, there was lots of work, and uh, now communication is a big part of how we operate and how we communicate every day through our phones, through the internet, everything, and yet there's less work. Yeah. You, know, I, you, know, so I, you can't but, miss but, any you, you never know, and I hate turning down work. If I have seven gigs yeah. on yeah. one day and somebody calls me for the eighth and I can't do it, yeah. I'm like, I hate saying no. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, I was in the dressing room with Casey going over the set list. He's like, you know what? We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. This one, we're going to add four bars to at the end and blah, 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 whatever. And we're sitting there going over things and like, okay, we're going on in 10 minutes. I'll see you at the stage. I start walking out. My phone rings. Mm-hmm. And it's some guy that I've, I still don't know who called me. Hey, can you play in Indianapolis tonight? <laughs> you know, you I saw call? a Facebook. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. and I saw a Facebook it was thing that from guy. George who said uh, it, it was that exact exact that guy called me. Oh, like, and I was well, like, "Well, man, I would I would love to, but I'm in Maine right now. And there's no way I can make it to Indianapolis, you know, tonight." And I was like, "But <laughs> I said, really?" I was like, I'm, "I'm, yeah, right. I'm going on stage right now. I'll be off in 75 minutes to 90 minutes. I can start making phone calls for you after that to buddies, yeah, yeah. who I know are looking for work." And when I come off stage, he had already called me and said, hey, we found somebody. I'm like, well, cool. Yeah. But it's always a good feeling to reference somebody that doesn't have a gig. And they're like, 
It's like giving them a Christmas present. Yeah. Right, right. Right. And and, and it, you have to pay 20 bucks to get there, and you got to room with the guy that snores, and, oh, by the way, you're driving, and you're paying for gas, but you got a gig. <laughs> hey, if you don't have something, then uh, that may be right. the perfect opportunity, and uh, you just you never know where those can lead. And everyone's in different situations, and some of us can't afford to turn down those opportunities as awful as they may seem, or we, it may be completely different than the gig that you had for five or ten years and if you're starting over again or doing whatever i'm uh, i'm very fortunate or if you're starting period but I, I just i'm thinking of yeah i'm anticipating our conversation and i'm kind of thinking about this the gig that you had with low cash oh yeah for so many years but before we get into that um i wanted to ask you how um you kind of talked about how the Casey James uh, gig came about, and we talked with Jeff Brown a while ago, uh, and he he that was a great gig. He he enjoyed it. He enjoyed uh, Casey's music. But what was it? What did you do to prepare for that? Were you did you memorize? Was there time for preparation? Uh, was there charts? There. Uh, Jeff Brown is very thorough. I got well. He passed down to Mike Catone. Yeah. Uh, a. a sheet of songs and like here's the intro here's the way this goes he'll do this during he'll vamp here so he get get, like a lot of really good notes yeah um but as in any other artist gig i've ever done we usually go do a rehearsal especially at a for a sub gig like that uh and they didn't want to rehearse they're like yeah We've seen you play. You're fine. Well, I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. hold on. <laughs> I think I think rehearsing is is more of of it's it's more of an exception than the norm. It seems. Yeah, I pretty much just uh, I locked myself in a room Thursday because I had other gigs between the time that I got this call uh, sessions, uh, you know, other things I had to rehearse for that day, or yeah. like got a gig on Broadway that night. I did last Wednesday and. I walked in. I was like, I have no idea what we're getting ready to play right now. <laughs> but I got like a set list that morning, and I'm like, okay, well, I can do this and that and the other. So I had a lot of – I did have time, but it was only so many hours a day. But in between, I'm one of those old-school guys that actually burns a CD. Yeah. And I put it in my car, and when I'm driving, if I got a two-hour drive, four-hour drive, 30-minute yeah. drive, yeah. if I'm going to the store, I'm listening to a song and letting it sink in. Yeah. And I wanted the CD to be in order of the show as much as, as possible because, yeah. you know, when you listen to, like, Creatures of the Night, you know the next song is whatever. You know, you know that song. When you put order. those songs in order, it does help. Like, it gives you that anticipation yeah. of the flow of the show. Like, you know what's coming up That's just great. because you've been listening to it. Flow of the show, there you go. And I, uh, I'll sit down and chart something if I got time. Yeah. And then I read over it, wad it up, throw it away, chart it again. Hmm. If you want to learn how to spell a word, yeah. you write it seven or eight times, whatever, mm-hmm. you chart that son of a gun over and over again until it's just like so stuck in your head. Because I was like, I don't want to go up there and mess this up. Casey, we haven't even met them yet. Yeah, yeah. I, I met them uh, at the airport, and my phone was dying, so I called Dino, the band leader, and said, hey, I just landed, my phone's dying, where do I meet you? And he said, well, we just landed to see a baggage claim. Yeah. And I'm like, cool. So I went down there and started searching for a charger. Casey sits next to me. Right. <laughs> he's got his headphones in. I extend my hand out. I'm like, hey. And he's looking at me like. And you are? Yeah. He, he's thinking I recognize him from, you know, TV or something. And 
And he's like, yeah. And I went, I'm your drummer. And he's like, oh, I thought you were flying in tomorrow. And I was like, no, that's next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because we had separate flights mm-hmm. from different places. And uh, so yeah, it was just, you know, funny how that, that all came about. But preparing for that was uh, just ex- my past experience of elbow grease, hard work, uh, yeah. uh self-discipline on I'm locking myself in this room right now and this is all I'm doing. Yeah. You know, like it's time to go to work. Yeah. And not just show up and play two and four. Right, right. And uh little, little bitty things and and uh, I think Casey and the the guys in the band really appreciated that. Oh, of course. A couple times I think they, they always went, yeah. do. And of course, I don't want to let down Jeff Brown or yeah. Mike Tone because yeah. it's their butt on the line too by going Here's the guy we recommend for the gig. Yeah, you don't want to make right. them look bad because they're not going to get a call back for themselves or a recommendation. Yeah. Oh man, that last guy you rec- recommended. I think uh, I think a lot of players fail to see the connection and the benefit of covering your ass on certain gigs and getting the best player for the job, uh, regardless of whether it's going to make you look bad or not. I mean, right. you can. I've heard many people say, get somebody that's better than you to come in and cover you. And I think that works in your favor for so many reasons. Um, I've done a gig for many years, and the players in the band really know my playing. They know my feel. They trust me. They don't even turn around. You know, they, they just they, they know my feel. And I've had great drummers sub for me in the past. David Black, Lee Kelly, these guys come in. They're 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 great. Eddie Bell's been my number one guy for the last three years. The thing that's great about these guys is they come in and they kill it. They do a great job. They've got great feel. But because they're not me, it puts the rest of the band out of that comfort zone. And it doesn't matter that. David's going to have something that he brings to the table that I don't do. Just that's just the icing on the cake for them. But the fact that it's not me, they're nervous about that. Right, uh, Casey. Like we we went up and did a. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. What right, I'm right, saying, right. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Casey said he he said something about that. Exactly what you're saying. Uh, we were the headlining band it was uh had went over on their sound check or whatever so it was time for us to go sons of bitches right <laughs> you bastards you know who y'all mitch now uh, anyway <laughs> i said mitch that was the drummer's name not what you think i just said uh so no uh uh we had uh went on stage and and like hey we've got some time before doors open i know a lot of artists that don't want to do anything when a crowd starts coming in. Well, the oh, yeah. crowd started coming in. We're up there rehearsing. Like he's like, "Hey, what are you feeling comfortable with? Let's do this. Let's do that. Hey, you know this song? All right, I'm gonna do a blues song. And it's gonna be in six eight. Let's just uh, follow yeah. me, cool man." And he, yeah. and so he was. I, I told this to Casey yesterday. I said, "You're you're not an artist. You're a musician. You're one of us." And he goes, "That's the best compliment you could have given me," uh, because. He, we, we sit there and rehearsed all these songs, and he goes, well, let's try this one, let's try that one. And there's a song he's got called um, Kill Your Love, and he does it on like a little bullet mic, like off-center over here, you know? Oh, and he just, and it's a real groovy tune, and he turned around and smiled at me a couple times, and we went backstage, and he goes, man, I love your feel. He goes, cool. he goes I'm not going to lie to you, I was scared. 
I yeah, was I sure. was nervous. I met you last night for the first time. I don't know what he goes. I've seen you play before and blah 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 whatever. But yeah. until you're in right. that setting, right. you, know, oh, you know it's a tight rope, and then oh hell, he's got it. Yeah, you know yeah. he goes. He goes. Now I'm totally comfortable. Yeah. So you, what you're saying is, you know, it doesn't matter who you it are. It didn't matter if you bring in Greg Bissonette or Buddy Rich. Yeah, you know, out of the grave, you could. You know, have the best drum in the world. It, it's not you. Yeah, only yeah. you play like you. Yeah, and that's what those yeah other musicians know. Mm-hmm. And it's not about being good or better or worse. It's different, and it's that flavor. It's different. Changing the flavor of Coca Cola will freak out a nation. And some people are going to really love the new thing. <laughs> uh, Except when Bill Cosby promotes it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> New Coke. Yellow that's, what that's right. <laughs> and there's stuff that you can bring to the table that Jeff or Mike maybe don't do, and they're going to have something unique to them that uh, that ev- any artist is going to maybe gravitate towards and say, "Well, I like this drummer because he he does this, he does that." So. The takeaway for me on a lot of those things is that if I don't get a call or if I don't get an audition, sometimes it has more to do than your abilities. It has to do with oh. maybe what the person is looking for in, in Nashville, in a player. it could be something as silly as a haircut. Yeah. I've seen people get fired literally over a haircut or something. Just... Could you describe the haircut? I mean, have a... <laughs> well... <laughs> Time to learn uh, new songs when you're spending all your time listening to the uh, Working Drummer podcasts. <laughs> uh, a, uh, I mean, you a know, split just... monitor cable. <laughs> some one left, hand, left one ear, hand. left ear is the new song I got to listen to. And, right. You and know, the, I did have a struggle with that because I had a, like a long drive with like three different bands last week. Yeah. And I was driving myself to all the gigs because I was. With one band one night, one band another. Oh, you yeah, know, and sure. So I was responsible for myself. And it does get, you know, you need to rest your ears or I'm going to come oh, back yeah. to this. And and uh, the podcasts do get me through I'm glad, to man. the next gig. I'm glad. My, I- favorite, my favorite so far, other than Kevin Murphy's. I mean, who's, who's going to top that one? That's just... That should be a weekly episode, for in my opinion. <laughs> Liquor him up and let him go. I don't know if I could take it, man. <laughs> but, I have to have guest uh, hosts. I tell you what, the one that really, just truthfully, just got right down to me in, is Trey's Trey Grace. Trey's his his whole one. his whole interview was just like with what he's going through uh, medically and all the gigs he's been in, and he was so, so truthful. About, yeah. hey, man, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. And yeah. I'm just going to be honest with you. And I'm like, where's that? Where's that been? I need to do, I need to be him. I need to do And his more. episode is on YouTube now. Uh, so if anybody, um, we're slowly putting them up uh, bit by bit. The audio obviously is priority one, but as they come together. And uh, I've known Trey since I moved to town. So there was a comfortableness that as I'm listening back and watching, I'm, I'm taking note. It's like, I've got to be that way. It, it every every interview helps me learn more about well what we're talking about first of all, but also interviewing and and doing this in such a way that it's been a learning experience. And uh, Trey's was another one of those that set the bar in a way that 
I like this conversation. I like this flow. I like this feel. Um, much the way some some of them have been with people that I've been drummers that I've known for years where somebody like Fred Eltringham I, I never met him until that day so that was um, but it's uh, but that was a good one so you've got two gigs with Casey so how are you managing the rest of your year uh, <laughs> or is there a plan? Or my phone number is <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, uh, no, no. no. Uh, that's a, that's a people thing, know how man. to get a hold of me. Uh, no, I, uh, I, I've been uh, I've been really fortunate uh, when the low cash thing for me came to an end because that was like a steady. I couldn't do anything else. I got I got calls for sessions, calls for other gigs, and you couldn't plan anything because their schedule isn't set here to here like everybody else does yeah you know uh they're they take gigs as they come as well uh through the booking agent and they do everything i remember for three or four years we did 200 gigs a year or more yeah i mean we they gave kenny chesney the hardest working act of the year and we were all like oh whatever like because we we had that beat i mean a lot of us went through divorces and and just you know trials and tribulations or whatever because of the road And then now to go from that steady work, just yeah. work, even in December we were working fifteen days, <laughs> you know, like yeah, uh, we right. we were working, man. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it comes to an end. I'm sitting at home going, well, now what am I going to do? Now you know you could be depressed for about a minute. Then you have a lot of friends call you. My yeah. phone lit up. Yeah, I had Kevin Murphy, Miles McPherson, Travis McNabb, some really great guys who. Uh, Again, back to the podcast of this drummer club that we have. Mm-hmm. It's an unspoken, which is why I came up with the Drummer's Jam. Um, but uh, you had some guys call you and give you like a little brother pep yeah, talk. And, yeah. hey, hey, you're down, but get off your ass. You're going to be fine. Three days later, Eric Brittingham calls me, for the bass player from Cinderella. Okay. And this is a guy that I went to go see when I was a teenager. He's right. a rock star idol to me. He was on my wall. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm in a band with him now and I'm like, I'm gonna be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then you realize you do have friends yeah. and you do have uh people who are looking out for you and that are really your friends mm-hmm. and that you know you would take a bullet for and vice versa. And that's what that's where the passion lies in this whole right. reason why I'm even sitting here right now. Yeah. Uh so you get a phone call here, a phone call there. Next thing you know, somebody needs a sub, or you're going to go work. And you're kind of you, back you, in you the create, mix. You create your own work. Right. You. It all comes down to that question again of people come up to me. How do you do what you do? Well, I made a decision just to go do it. Yeah. Whether, as you know, yeah. You at some point you decide, well, I'm going to be a drummer for yeah. a living, and whether that means starving through the winter months or mm-hmm. doing whatever, to, and never being too good to go do anything mm-hmm. i'll play broadway for 50 bucks mm-hmm. i'll play a, a I, dude <laughs> i've played a stadium in front of twenty thousand people one night mm-hmm. totally rock star getting a limo living your dream the very next night playing uh somebody's 50th wedding anniversary yep where everything you do is too loud yeah. it's raining yeah and and you're only making 75 bucks but you know what i made 75 dollars that night and i played drums yeah. So I create my own schedule. Uh, I'm 
blessed enough to be in demand by certain few bands that really want me because I was on their record or they want they would they I'm their first call but they understand that I have to go do other things. So you're juggling things again. Yes, yes. I've maybe I've, the way you were. Well, let's back up just a little bit and and tell me or tell listeners about the low cash gig and you did that for a long time mm-hmm. and you were people associated you with that gig. Uh, it, so could yeah, you maybe I was, tell I was a side man for them. I started in 2000 when I, 2006. And uh Chris and Preston were uh DJs at the Wild Horse. Uh and they were they were line dance instructors on that stuff and the band I was in I was playing for an artist named Phil Vaught locally. Yeah. I think everybody's played for him. You go through that yeah, his yeah. name was so familiar. Welcome to Nashville. I might You're be, be the one Vaughn. guy. Yeah, here we go. I know Phil Vaughn. Yes, so, yes, yes, yes. I so I was playing for him, and uh, I did a lot of road work before that, but ended up working for him. We were doing like uh, week long stints at the Wild Horse, you yep. know, doing the you know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and going on the week, road on the weekend. And uh, Preston and Chris saw me there, and we exchanged numbers or whatever. And uh, time goes by, whatever. I'm not with Phil anymore. I'm sitting at home. My phone rings, and it's Preston. He left me a voicemail and said, uh, I wish I still had this voicemail. We, we joke about this uh, still today because I'm still friends with the guys, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, he says, uh, he goes, hey, David, this is Preston with Low Cash Cowboys. Uh, I really need a drummer this weekend for three dates. I promise you I'm not going to ask you for – one more minute, three days. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're out with. I see where this is going. Whoever, whatever, if you're out with Bon Jovi, or if you're out with, you know, booting the Blowhoves band, or I don't <laughs> care who you with. Love if, that band. If you can't do, I'm starting a band called that right now. Um, if if you can't do this, please give me a guy that can. And I was like, all right. Well, it was my birthday weekend, and my my wife at the time didn't want me to go. She was like, no, 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 yeah. you do not. It's your birthday, and I'm like, this is work. Yeah, it's a gig that could lean <laughs> right. <laughs> I want to play drums and make money, and and we needed the money, so I went and uh, I played, and and it was uh, a long three days. <laughs> Turned into over over nine years, almost ten. Nine years, and and like you said before, busy guys. Yeah, and um, uh, hard hard didn't turn down. Right, a, didn't turn down a gig. Yeah, and 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 they've they've had some relative success with singles being uh, cut by uh, Keith Urban and yeah. Kenny Chesney. No, uh, uh, Keith Keith Urban and uh, Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw, the, and uh, you guys have done some videos, or, or you were on some videos yeah, that they had done. On, and, on the Here Comes Summer, I'm the blurry guy in the background. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> and on the C O U N T R Y, I'm the guy in the mask shirt for like a real quick minute. Or second, it's like don't blink. I'm the slow motion guy for like the very very end. So you gotta watch the whole video. Making a uh, permanent decision on a temporary emotion is the worst thing you can do, especially in business. And Trey Gray said it best on here: artists mm. see with their or hear with their eyes, mm-hmm. and they think mm-hmm. with their, you know. They have too many yes men around them. I'm not talking about that particular gig. I'm just talking about in general. Yeah. When you yeah. got everybody blowing smoke. Say that thing and, again. You, you said before. Uh, you said, uh, "Don't make a temporary decision 
Uh, don't make a permanent decision on a temporary emotion. Permanent decision on a temporary. <laughs> Am I motion. saying it backwards? No, uh, no, you're right. Yeah, um, yeah. It, you know, a permanent choice on on your emotion. You should never make a business decision on an emotion. You should never make any decision off an emotion. Hmm. Oh yeah, well, heck with that guy. Well, you know, buy yeah. or yeah. Buy a car for everybody. Oh crap, we're out of money. You know, yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean. Sleep on ha- it. Happy, yeah. sad, mad, right. glad, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's let's think this through. Right, right. And um, and a lot a lot of artists don't do that. And um, so it it was all back to your original question. It was always a worry. It, it was you okay. never knew. Right, because right. you were disposable. Because oh, disposable as the yeah. well, what coke let, can they just got through sipping out of. And sure. I'm not, and I'm not talking about. Anybody in particular? I'm just saying, that's just the nature of this business. I think I think that's an important point. It, it's not uh, you're not it, you're not reflecting the the artist's personality or them being callous or them not right. being. I mean, we hear stories of uh, oh, I, somebody there's like so many stories about millions of artists and and whatever, but who go through who go through uh, band members and some uh, I hear I hear. Stories of Taylor Swift uh, just being like super awesome to her band, you know. I hear different things. Yeah, you hear I, different people. Yeah, I hear that Miranda Lambert has a person on their, on their tour, and their job title is Vibe Manager. Ah, hey okay. Matt, how you doing today? Well, you, you need something? <laughs> See, no, I'm that, good. If I knew hey, that hey, that was hey, their Aiden, job, I would. Aiden, wouldn't. what do you you you? Get, oh, you need a new ACDC record? Cool. I'm sending a runner to Kmart right now. Got it. That would be tough. Or, you know, Kmart. I don't Did I just say I Kmart? Would... Uh, <laughs> uh, I like to go on record that I'm the first person on this podcast to say the word Kmart. No, no, no. We, <laughs> but, we'll edit that out. But no, they, uh, you know, they, um, they, they, they want everybody around them to be happy and, and settled yeah, and, you know, and that, that, that's an investment, there, there, though. there are those camps <clears throat> that, that, that have that going on. Well, what, what was it? How candid can you be? with me about <laughs> what brought you to the yeah. end of this long run. And I know that these guys are still your friends. Yeah, I'm and still friends with them. you have to make that separation between I'm, work. I'm, I'm not, yeah, yeah, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a grudges guy that doesn't, I've, I've made a decision recently in my life that I'm going to be happy, damn it, no matter what. <laughs> I've, 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 you know, I could have whatever gig in the world and it all come crashing to an end. You're your I, own I'm, personal vibe guy. I, yes. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm a home vibe guy. Talk to myself in the mirror. But, uh, you know, um, but I'm going to be truthful too. Uh, it, I won't go into detail on microphone, but it, it was a permanent decision on a temporary emotion. Hmm. And it wasn't just me. It was, it was a lot. And, and and it 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 comes down to just emotion and and stress and whatever else. But uh, when it happened, I was mad and happy. It was you know have you seen the Eagles documentary? This I haven't. Is, they they said when the Eagles ended, it was a uh, a horrible relief. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was for me. And I'm again, I love them to death. I wish them the best. And they asked me back a few months ago, and yeah. I said, well, I'll go back and help you until you find another drummer. Yeah, but I think it's a time that, that now looking back on, I'm go. You know what? We can still be friends. Hell, we're in a fantasy football league together. 
We yeah. text each other. You can't work for nine years like that. Oh yeah, and, and, our and kids know each other. Yeah, experience. Our parents stuff. know each other. Right. We're you know. Yeah. Chris's kid runs to me and David and what's up? You know, and you know same thing with my kids. I mean, it's it's you know they're. When it happened, you know, like when you break up with a girlfriend or whatever, yeah, and you see a picture of her like six months later, and you're like, "Oh, I remember the good times," and I'm all look at that, and yeah. you're getting all sappy, and then you yeah. go, "Oh man, she messed around with my friends, to hell with her," you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and then you get mad again. Right. It it was that emotion. It was that because nine, ten years, but then you always go, "Hey man, that was a gig," and, but well, but there is an emotional connection because you yeah. live with each other. Yeah. We went through deaths, mm-hmm. marriages. Divorces. Yep. Um, we went through everything. We were in emergency rooms together. We <laughs> went through a bus crash together. We went. We've been through a lot together. Yeah. Um, band members dying. Our fiddle player passed away. I remember that. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I so I mean, we went through a lot. And now looking back on it, I am so glad that decision was made for me. Uh, I'm I'm happier. Mm. Um, I'm a little bit more. Uh, I'm a change. I'm a different person yeah. than I was, in a good way, and um, you know, and uh, going back and playing with them. I think when they asked me to come back, I said, "Well, I'll go fill in." Yeah. It was good just to be around them and be like, "I'm not in the band anymore, but I'm just I'm here helping you out, and we can be bros, and there isn't no right." But nothing. there there wasn't an underlying pressure. If or a band stress. meeting happened, I was excluding myself because yeah. I'm just a filling guy. Yeah, hey, leave me out of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was this situation because we talk so much about how to get gigs and how to find work, and that is all important. But as you go through your career, there are times, and even um, David Northrup talks about his work uh, with Travis Tritt, and uh, he loved that gig so much. He he. he uh, like the experience, but there was something after nine years where he felt the spirit going yeah. away in that gig, and something told him it was time to move on. Yeah. And and we didn't get into details, and I don't think there was any really anything to talk about uh, besides that. And I'm not asking you to to divulge any any dirt on anyone because I think you've established. Uh, yeah, you you've made it clear that 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 relationship is intact, and that's that's right. That's and, great. You know, I my <laughs> but everything everything on facing... mine everything on mine in is clean. So I I'm cool. I'm like whatever. Well, I, if I'm, I'm just, listening just, to this as respect. Yes, you don't want to you don't want to go trash somebody and whatever because no. you're not going to get called no. back from anybody on that. Number one, no. number one, and number two, it's just not the right thing to do. You're right. You're you just right. go. You know what? We're going to leave that skeleton in the closet, and it's. That's is what it is, and hell, if it was that damn bad, I wouldn't have went back out with them and played with them, and I wouldn't be friends with them now. So, yeah, but because um, there's what, players what, out there that are in a situation like you were in that yeah. are struggling with what to do next. Yeah, and, well, you or know, maybe they're in a bad situation and they don't know if they have an option. And I think I I know players like that right now, ironically, that have yeah. been calling me and texting me, going, "What do we do? What do I do here? What?" Do, and I'm like. You're not going to find an island until you jump off that boat because you're not going to be hungry enough for it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Make yourself available. Mm -hmm. Put it out there. Mm -hmm. Hey, you might have to swim for a while. You might get a nip from a shark every now and then. I'm totally talking in 
metaphors. <laughs> Enough of the metaphors. I know some. I hate people hate my metaphors. <laughs> uh, I know one person is going to be listening to this interview and be like, "Oh, metaphor parks." Uh, but um, you know, uh, like Northrop said, it was just time, and, it, and you know, and for me, it was just time too. I don't see myself going back to high school. Mm-hmm. I don't see myself going back to uh, college days or, or going back to, you know, it's time to move forward and whatever. Hell, I mean, they could call me a year from now and be like, hey, you know what? Time's right and I need to do something. You know, I'm I'm not saying I want to do that, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not blocking anything out. But right now, I, yeah. I, I declined yeah. Yeah. working with them again because I was like, you know, being over here is exciting and doing different things. And, yeah. It was just time to move on. And, and and what did you do after you left the gig to reset and make sure that people knew it that was you were a, available? It was a mental thing to just mentally reset and go, okay, well, now I've got to start okay. not learning the same 90-minute set that I've been playing for the last you know, however yeah. many years. And I've got to get back into, you know, because I was doing some sessions, but now I'm like, I've done a, a number of records this year already. That's awesome. Um a record that I did last year is just now coming out. Of course. You know, so yeah. that's kind of fun. And I didn't know when it was coming out, but I saw it in the press. <laughs> I yeah. was like, oh, it's coming out. And then, um, uh, you know, I just, all my friends, you know, and I and I doubt myself. I, and who, who, we were, all of us are our own worst critic. Um, but you just put it out there and go, hey, I'm, I'm wanting everybody to know that I'm not, tied down over here because yeah. there come there come a time where we work so much as like well don't call parks because you know he's on the road you, you have to let people know you're available what was it that uh led you to drums because everybody's story is a little bit different oh um my mother was a uh bass player and she was playing in the local scene i'm from uh originally born and raised in owensboro kentucky mm-hmm. and my grandfather on my mom's side my grandparents uh they were running around with the everly brothers wow and i i grew up in utica kentucky uh old farmhouse and um every friday or saturday night it was your typical i mean like i was just used to musicians being in the living room and it was they come over for a picking you know, yeah, and it yeah. was they're gonna have some food, and we're gonna sing some songs, and mm-hmm. that was what they did for entertainment. And I was just around it, and it just you know, one it, it picks you, it, you don't pick it, right? And um, we we finally moved to town, you know, twenty minutes away, and where my mom had a job or whatever. But she would take me out to her band rehearsals, and she had a uh, drummer <laughs> in the band that he was considerably overweight and blind so when he would go to the bathroom or take a break or go outside or whatever it was like a 30 minute thing somebody had to leave you know because he's blind and he can't walk very well so okay it hey george can i play your drums yes you can david he was he was uh yeah he had a really low low voice you know and it was in a and to me he was like a god because i was Mm -hmm. like this tall and he's like yeah you know and um, I would get back there. My mom would, you know, play bass, and I would play drums a little bit. And it was at that point, it was just like a kid going. How old were you? You know, uh, oh gosh. Well, when she was playing in bands and stuff, I I was three or four years old, and wow. just she would pick me up and go to band rehearsal or a gig, and she wasn't playing in bars and stuff. I mean, it wasn't like 
you know, I was hanging out with a bunch of guys in some mm-hmm. Blue Ribbons. I was – it was at churches or like at a little festival or something. Okay. And I'm doing my homework or playing with G.I. Joe's or doing whatever, and we're at a band rehearsal. So I've, I've just grown up around it. Sure. And um, one day she's like, well, I'm going to – I got you guitar lessons down here at this music store. And she got me like one of those little ukulele guitars with a fish string, nylon oh, string, yeah, you know. Uh-huh. And the guy at the music store that – taught guitar taught piano bass drums vocal oh, lessons wow. like he and he had everything in one room yeah and of course what does a kid do i was like eight nine years old maybe yeah what does a kid do when he walks around with a drum drums. set yeah. drums right drums baby You're right this is gonna be too hard let's let's hit that make, <laughs> loud, make loud noise make kid happy <laughs> so i went over and started playing and i come out of my first guitar lesson and my teacher handed my mother the guitar back and said your your son is a drummer <laughs> he's already playing a beat and blah, blah 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 so she got me uh drum lessons and uh in the package of the whatever the music store sold her I don't remember the, what it was at the time, but you had to buy, like, in, in the packaging of what the pricing, it was you got so many drum lessons in so many months and a practice pad kit because mm-hmm. she couldn't afford a drum kit. And so it was kind of forced upon us to get this practice pads. And I think that was a blessing because I would take those home, and I didn't have a drum set for years. It made me want it so much more. Interesting. It made me want it mm-hmm. and want it. And when I practiced along with the radio or records or, you know, at the, at the time, cassette tapes, kids, um, uh, I would, I could hear what the drummer was playing and not what my drummer brain wanted to play. Nice. I could hear, sure. hear, hear Phil Rudd going, you know, and what does a kid want to do? You know, like, you know, just go off. And, and I could hear, and reduplicate because I could I was my drums weren't drowning out the stereo mm-hmm. you know where I'm going mm-hmm. with that and uh, your drummer brain wants to yeah Terry Bozio everything yeah yeah but what you need to do but is you could hear what hear what the drummer was doing whatever album I was trying to right. duplicate so um, I did that and it's so this, the turn of events you know strangely I was sitting at home one day sick from school yeah right and uh watching mtv and listening to records and and all that stuff and obsessed with music like it's a drug like it's a drug it's still to this day i was gonna say you're over that now though no <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh um and walk the bug man I li- we lived in an apartment building and the local bug man come in from you know, to spray the, hey, I'm here to spray the apartment. I'm like, all right, go on in, guy. And he went back there and he saw my drum, my drum pads. He's like, hey, so you, you're a drummer? I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, I'm a drummer too. It ended up being John Vanover. His father is David Vanover. And if you, if you remember like the classic Ludwig um, catalogs from Chicago, the Octoplus kit, the guy yeah. with the pompadour, I always say he looks like uh, the Playboy guy, uh, oh, Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner. He always he looked like Hugh Hefner in the '60s, um, and then there's another picture of him playing uh, the Fab Four kit in one of the catalogs. And there, the, the most famous one is him on a Blue Sparkle kit, the Octoplus kit, and then the Tri Toms. And he has like the geeky. Okay, I, I'm thing. not. Right. I don't remember well, that, but I'm I'm a Ludwig dork. But anyway, so that was his father. Oh, okay. And they lived in town, and were in Owensboro where I lived. 
And he kind of took me under his wing. Nice. And the next thing you know, which this all goes back on how to get gigs, it's relationships mm. and getting out there and make, being good is number one, you know, but you're not going to get a gig, you know, serving tacos. You got to put yourself in that situation. So I immediately learned that through him because he got called for a gig for a band. He couldn't do it. I was 14 years old. Wow. And he called you for it. And I went and did it. Had he heard you play? Uh, a little bit, like in his at his house in my room, you know. We, yeah, he kind of he took me under his wing. Him and his father did, and um, I I have learned so much from them. And are uh, you guys still in touch? Is oh it, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. we're really good friends. That's great. Cool. Uh, and um, and he introduced me to people like locally, like some of the bigger drummers in town, like Mike Smith, uh, Kevin Schrecker. These are all in my world my drum stars from my hometown like these are i think we all have those yeah 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 my, my, those, my own yeah. little personal list of yeah badasses that i still view as they make i still have them up here in uh, in my mind that's a great no, thing no though. matter yeah you know yeah we have those because and 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 a lot of and maybe the rest of the world really doesn't know who those players are but in our world and some i mean i'm from a large city so i mean maybe the, the some people might have seen or heard some of these players, but but they are in our world make such an impression upon you. You're so impressionable in those formative right. years. They, they, those those guys right there built me. I I think I, it's scary to think to this day if he wouldn't have come sprayed my house that day, and if I wouldn't have been home where I where my drumming would be or what I would be doing right I now. I think your I think your story would be just slightly different. But no, yeah, I, yeah, I have yeah. A feeling it, that it was yeah. Yeah, but he uh, he he. Threw me a gig and said, "This kid's good enough. Go." And it was a bunch of guys in their forties, and here I am, fourteen years old. I mean, I can't imagine playing with a fourteen-year-old right now. I, you know, the guys that God bless the guys that gave me a chance. So I don't know, man. I've I seen got some YouTube I, video. <laughs> well, today, yeah, <laughs> but I, I got thrown to the wolves immediately, and I was playing with these older guys, and they're. You got the guys that are ribbing me just because I'm 14. I don't have a hair on my chin yet, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Ah, oh, well, what can you know?" And da 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 da, and I play. And I remember I was playing with some guys, and I could tell you the name of the song. I'm a big Eagles fan, and um, always have been. You can thank my mom and dad for that. You know, I was listening to eight tracks when I was a kid, and and uh, that you know that inner memory. People, uh, how do you remember these songs? I'm like, well, it's a passion, and you just oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. just you know how you just soak sure. them in. And uh, I remember we were playing Tequila Sunrise mm-hmm. by the Eagles. I was 13, 14 years old in this rehearsal room, and everybody else in the room is in their – the next closest age to me was like 35, maybe 40, and everybody else is 50 or 60. And um, uh, There's a specific uh, – all those Don Henley parts, you can't just fake that stuff. You, you have There's certain hi-hat patterns that he plays mm-hmm. that are sometimes two measures long, and some, the next two measures is another pattern, hmm. and then another two measures of – and it's real intricate stuff, and – and it's not hard to play, but it's. I think there was attention to detail yeah, in the studio. Very, very, very detailed stuff. Mm-hmm. And I played a few detailed parts. Yeah. You know, you know, I don't remember exactly what the drum part was right offhand right now, but a little, a little part, and the bass player just stopped, and he was like the, the daddy of the musicians in the room. I remember my heart went through my throat. I'm like, oh, hell, what did I do? This guy's going to yeah. take my bass drum and slam it over my head, and I suck, and I shouldn't be here, and I should be home 
coloring or something. You know, it's not this. Other kids are out playing basketball. I, why am I doing this? And he had on like aviators. I'll never forget. <laughs> and he just stopped and he lit a cigarette, took a drag off of it, looked at me and just, just, how old are you again? And I'm like, uh, 14, sir. I mean, yeah. voice is cracking, whatever. Uh, he goes, you need to get out of here. And I was like, oh, man, I I almost started crying. I was like, man, this guy hates me. I played something wrong. Mm-hmm. He goes, I'm not meaning this room. He goes, I mean, you need to go to Nashville. He goes, because wow. he goes, I've worked with so many drummers that played that song for years that have never got that part right. And he goes, and here you are, 14. How wow. the hell can you know about the Eagles or Don Henley? Yeah. And, um, and I was like, whew, you know, <laughs> right. he was going to kill me. Yeah. And, um, but... You, you know, need those. I mean, that, so that's that was an important. I was thrown to the thing. wolves on on all that, and I went out there and I just started doing it. And yeah. I knew that's what I want to do. Come hell or high water, mess up or or greatness, either way, don't care which. I'm having fun and I'm doing it, and this is yeah. what I want to do. So, I played my local scene and become like a decently in demand drummer locally, and then uh, that led to what led to eventually was uh, a fifties and sixties show band called the Vandells right. had played the Executive Inn Rivermont uh, in which the Executive Inn was like our for our city to have national acts every weekend was wow I mean any any given weekend you could just go see a band and um, I was playing a car show outside with my one of my local bands that I used to duck beer bottles with oh I was and at this time I was 18 and um Steve Chandler, who does a lot of local sessions and stuff, and great engineer, great person. Uh, he was in the showroom lounge running, running uh, front of house, and our power went out. But now, looking back on it, thank you God that this happened. Uh, power goes out. Something that insignificant can change the course of history because I ran inside. They said, "Hey, somebody needs to go get." Steve or one of those guys to send a power guy out here because now our power's out and we got a car show going on. We're pl- trying to play. And David, you're young, you run. And I'm like, and I remember there was a soda machine next to the monitor board, and I was like, I'll go because I'm thirsty. I'm gonna go get yeah. a Coke. Yeah. And I <laughs> that's really the reason I ran in there. And uh, I ran in and there was two drum sets on stage. And they were auditioning one guy and I didn't know. I was like, Why is there two drum sets on stage? And yeah. That guy's totally not with the bass player. And they said, uh, oh, they're auditioning drummers. And my lead singer looked over and goes, dude, you got to go up there. I'm like, man. You were in the middle of a gig. I'm like, there ain't, there ain't no way. <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't think of that because the power was out, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's right. playing right now. Um, so they were like, you, you gotta go get an audition. you know? And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm not that good. You know, they can have anybody they want. They're auditioning. Look at all these guys in here auditioning. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a hair on anybody's ass here. And... Um, and then my singer said something that stuck with me to this day that that drove me. To, he goes, he goes, what's the worst that's going to happen? Right. What are they going to do? Say no, and you're going to go back to your life? Yeah. You, what right. ten minutes of your life? And I'm like, yeah. You know what? You're right. I'm going to go up for an audition just for the hell of it. Yeah, cut off a finger. And uh, I went up for an audition. I got the gig. <laughs> How uh, long did you do that? Oh gosh, from '94 till '90 or no '94 to. 94 to 96, and I got 
burnout because I was young and dumb and just didn't mm. know any better. Um, I went and did some local bands. I had a band, had a rock band that I wanted to go. Mm. Okay. I want to go try this. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it crashes and fails, I got to go try this because I got to know right now. Sure. So I went and did that. And then uh, I stayed friends with the guys in the Vandells and they called me back in 98. And I played from 98 to 2002 or three, I think. Okay. That's when I went to Phil Vought. And then that's Wild they, Horse, Low Cash. Gotcha. You know? We're kind of caught yeah. up with that. Yeah, I've, I've played for millions of other people in between there. But um, that, that's the... Millions of peaches. Yes. <laughs> gotcha. Sorry, I heard that song the other day. <laughs> ah, it's in my head now. <laughs> um, that's awesome, man. It sounds like there were two points in in what you were just telling me that was the boost and, and the things that you carry to this day. Uh, the, the bass player stopping you and saying, you need to get out of here. At 14, hearing those right. words. Right. The guitar player and the other guys in the Vandells encouraging you know and just hearing those things at those ages uh when, when we're crushed with self-doubt <laughs> you know yes because you're that age yeah. where everything is questionable yeah um well i want to talk about the the drummer's jam and uh specifically what led to to the drummer's jam and, and why you wanted to do this and uh, and your partners involved and we talked to Tom yes sir. Uh, and, and and also um, oh well, I'll ask that I got another question for you I'll ask that later but uh, but yeah what led to this thing what uh, well because it's blown up man uh, yeah I know I didn't think it would actually make it past the first one. <laughs> Still full of self doubt. <laughs> oh yeah! Every time we have one, I'm like, oh my god, someone's gonna be mad at somebody, and there's gonna be uh, somebody's gonna punch somebody. No, uh, d- um, I I've always thought, you know, again, bass players don't do this shit. They know bass players podcast thing. Or wait a minute, is there? Yeah, there probably <laughs> is. You know, not to take anything away from the, the but I think I think drummers have the right to. Uh, that's your, that's your new slogan. To, WorkingDrummer.net. Bass players don't do this shit. <laughs> don't do what? What? Yeah, no. We did, you know, I mean, look. I mean, but, you got, I, but we, well, we need to be friends with because we get oh, yeah, calls from yeah, 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 uh, yeah. bass players and guitar players. And, yeah. You know. Well, we'll know if anybody, if any bass players are actually listening to this. If they're if they're this far into the interview and they hear it, then we know. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll know actually, who's there. There are. There are. <laughs> but no. Uh, hey guys, uh, and David Santos has hey, been on the podcast. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. I forgot about that. So. uh you know, you look at the drummer's lunch, you look at uh, just the hang at forks. You're talking about Trey Gray. I was buying drumsticks from him when but, I was 20 years old. And the drummer's lunch, by the way, is happens every time I'm out of town as soon as I was, like, trying to get involved. And I I need to get to those. I, I feel so bad. That they're, anyways. I've been to one, and it's so chaotic. You, you, you just spend two and a half hours – eating and and talking to people and then when you leave you go who do i just talk to because yeah but because it, it's, it's nothing it's nothing but brotherly love which leads me back to the drummer's jam thing yeah. this is why i wanted to do it um you see the brian tishy's bonzo bash yeah happens out in la i think he's got one going on in the east coast now and you go man there's a pretty good hang here you know i was in new york city on the road with vandales and I'm walking down the street and have a Ludwig shirt on. Some guy had a Zildjian shirt on. Yeah. And we both went, 
you know, walking down the street, not talking to anybody, nobody saying anything to anybody, but me and him cross paths and we go, hey, man, what's up? Hey, hey, dude, you know, like we're brothers or something. And then my guitar player at the time goes, dude, what is it with you drummers? Like, God, he goes, all you got to do is see him. Right, right. Know that the other guy even owns a pair of sticks and you you guys are lifelong friends. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's the way it is. I don't know what it is about. You can get into psychology about whatever, but um, it, I saw that going on with the Bonzo Bash. And here where the self-doubt thing comes in. I thought about this for a while. Oh, wow. And I thought, man, this that, that'll never fly. I'm, I can't put pull that together. I can't pull together my schedule to go do a session for somebody else right now. Uh, when I was on Road Low Cash, I had, my, that was my life. <laughs> so uh, Jerry Gaskell yeah. had his heart attack. Was it 2012 or 11? 12? drummer for king's X. yeah who, i think early 2012 and i got uh-huh. a phone call i was on my way to a gig and somebody goes oh man i'm sure you had a heart attack and i was like oh dude you know and um if you do not know do not know who king's x is run do not walk to wherever you have to do to get everything these guys have ever bought especially jerry's new album okay because <laughs> i'm on it oh cool <laughs> I'll cover that later, but yeah. I'm excited about that. Like nice. a little kid. Uh, so um, Brian Tishy has this thing, and I was like, man, we got a strong enough drum hang in Nashville to where we got our own thing. Yeah, And I'm not talking about just name players. I'm talking about guys on Broadway to the name players. There isn't no difference in uh, in levels of gig here to me. Um, mm-hmm. If you're working, you're working. If you're a drummer, you're a drummer, and you're in town, and everybody's – Right. You know, we're all in this one big circle with our arms around each other, yeah. and some guy flies in from Kansas. Hey, guys, I'm a drummer. You're like, oh, come on in. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's no yeah. get out. You're not cool enough yet. You're not. You're not mm-hmm. in a club. It's no. It's come on in, dude. Well, uh, I always thought that we have that. And then um, Kevin and Murphy, Kevin Murphy and I were talking one day on the phone about, you know, what we ought to do. We ought to do like. And I said, well, I've been thinking about doing this drum jam thing. Maybe this will be the first one for Jerry. And he goes, yeah, we'll get a house band. He goes, I'm going to call their management right now and get Doug and Ty to fly in. And, and he, I think he sent a message through some friends. And they mm-hmm. kind of – management kind of laughed it off. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're not sending them to do that. And there was other things going on for Jerry at the time. But I was like, maybe this will kickstart it. And a couple of days goes by. I'm still sitting there thinking about it going, man, self-doubt covering mm-hmm. me up again. Mm-hmm. I thought, who could really – who, who, do, who do I know? And I thought, Tom Hurst does the loud jams. Right, right. And Tom Hurst and I have been on so many gigs together where he was working for Bucky Covington or uh, I, I can't even tell you all the artists he played for that every right. time I seen him, it was with a different artist. But he was always like really welcoming and really like, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, father figurely like, yeah. um, hey, man, you know, da, da, da. And he's such a badass. Yeah, yeah. Like he could be on stage with whoever playing. And I don't know who else is on the stage, including the artist, because I'm like, look at that guy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I knew he did the Loud Jams things. And I was like, hey, is this a stupid idea? How do we, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, am I just talking out my ass? You're probably going to laugh at me for saying this, but here's my idea, blah, 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 blah. I sold it to him. Instead of going, well, that's a hard thing, and da, 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 and being on negative, he goes, oh, we could do this sooner and later. He goes, like, I got to open it in three weeks. I was like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Three weeks from now. And he's like, yeah, we could, yeah, we could do this. Yeah. He goes, oh, mean, yeah. He does not I let mean, the he, grass grow oh, under him. Oh, he, he, he jumped on it. And next thing you know, the next day we were talking about it and poster got drawn up. And then 
it got kind of weird at first because if you look at the first picture that was in Drumhead magazine or Drumhead or Drum, I can't remember. It's Miles McPherson jokes that he goes, damn it, I finally made a <laughs> national drum magazine and I'm, I'm holding a damn beer because <laughs> like, it was a group photo. There's like maybe eight or nine of us in that photo. Yeah. Now you need a wide angle lens to get us all oh, in. Yeah, it. it's true. And um, so, the, you know, you did you did meet a little bit of what is this? I don't know. Maybe well, like anything may, that's maybe I'll come out and check it out. Sure. And da, 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 da. And you got guys that wouldn't return phone calls. Yeah. And now. And what year was that? When? Oh, that that's what I was trying to think of. 2000. I want to say. 11 or 12. Maybe it's, I think it was 12. You guys have done six and coming in December. Yeah, it'll be number seven. December 14th is the seventh one. But the first one, the first one was for Jerry. Yeah. And we went ahead and, you know, I was like, we'll send him a check from this. And uh, I remember Tom got a, got a call to go do a gig and he couldn't make it that night. He was coming and then he's all, oh, dude, I got a gig. It's money. I got to go to whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. I understand. And I was sitting outside and, and Chris Nix, God love him, uh, our fearless music director on this whole thing. He, uh, he noticed I was in my car outside Douglas Corner, just like, I must have had, <laughs> I'm going to go tie a noose look on my face or something. Because <laughs> I'm just sitting there in my car, and he comes over and knocks on the window. We're yeah. 10 minutes from the doors opening. Yeah. And he knocks on the window, I roll down the window, and he goes, hey, man, go inside and have a shot. Calm down. This is going to be okay. And I was like, I must look like, because it's a Monday night in Nashville, my name is on this thing. Tom's name's on this thing. It was my idea. I'm going, I'm an idiot. Nobody's going to come to this. This is stupid. I'm going to be laughed at. Hmm. I'm going to have four people here, and all of them are going to be girlfriends of the bass players or something. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's going to come to this. I had a session, or no, I had a video shoot, and I had somebody come and pick up a second kit to go to the video shoot the next day. So I had to go out to the parking lot and do whatever and switch over kits. When I come back, the place was full. Nice. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I didn't know what I was doing, but as in anything, yeah, jump in, yeah. feet first, let's go. Right. So then we were going to do one for, uh, what's his name, from the Jellyfish. That was going to be number two. Okay. And the hurricane happened. Right. And. Affected Jerry. A yeah, it blew, he, didn't have, he didn't have a shirt. Hmm. And so I'm like, okay, and I and I got in contact with him. He sent it like a, a thank you card for the first one or whatever, and we we had swapped numbers. And he called and gave me a. He's a very genuine, heartfelt guy, and he he called me and he said, "Hey, I want to say thank you for all this and whatever." And he called me on the second one. He goes, "I understand you're doing another one for me for the hurricane." And he goes, "I want to." He goes, "My wife and I can't thank you enough for even thinking about us." He goes, "But we're very fortunate to be." staying with somebody right now while we get on our feet and blah, yeah. blah, 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 and get things going. There's a lot of other people here in, in the area that are a lot less fortunate. Can we give this money to somebody else? Nice. Before I even send him a check, he knows I'm about the money I'm about to send him because from the first one, he goes, can we give this to somebody else? Who does that? Yeah. What a great person to even go. Let's. And I told him on the phone that day, I said, Jerry, uh, the Nashville drummer's are connected to you and the reason why we're getting together to do this is because of your inspiration to us and King's X and your drumming and whatever mm-hmm. and your fellowship. How about you just we're gonna give you this money. Yeah. And if you buy your wife a diamond ring with it, 
you buy mm-hmm. a down payment on a car or a you buy a drum set. I don't want a receipt. I just want to know that you did something with it that helps you. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you. And if it's giving it away to somebody who needs it. I said it. if you if I said if you happen to give it to the kid next door because he needs mm-hmm. something to eat. I don't need a receipt for that either. Yeah. I said, you do with this what you think needs done with it. And he goes, uh, I get it now. I get it. And I went, yeah, that's why I built this whole thing is, you know, with Tom is to do all goodwill, mm-hmm. a bunch of big love fest, mm-hmm. and then somebody somewhere benefits from it. Yeah. I don't want to dime. You know, well, and- I think that uh, – and we talked to Tom last week and – I think there's a lot of people benefiting from just being there, and now that it's grown yeah. in popularity, gigs, gigs the money are, that you make from it, because, because and of it. The, that you're donating, mm-hmm. is is great. But that's just a piece of it. Yeah, I've been I've been telling people that it's 120 percent of the proceeds go to charity because, uh, like on the last one, uh, I'll just go ahead and say it. Tom fit the bill on the video screen. Like that stuff wasn't free. Like yeah. the, it costs to put these things on, yeah. and at the end when we go to go, here's your money back. Like I've bought things, supplies, and whatever, and mm-hmm. Tom rents this or rents that, mm-hmm. and we both look at each other and go, "As for charity," and we just throw it out there, and we never recoup right. what we right. initially put in. Sure, you know, it's 120 percent. Yeah, 120 percent going like 10%, out to charity. You know, and, and yeah. Tom's been. I, I this would not be happening without Tom Hurst. Yeah. It, there's no way it could happen. I yeah. I don't. I'm not that person. He's a freak, man. Dude, he's when a it machine. Comes to organi- organizing things and just doing everything at once. Yeah. So, at what point did you think this thing is is it's got feet? It's moving. It's it's like it, we um, can do more of this. Well, I mean, this was we, only the we second were, one. Yeah, yeah. We at, 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 the, the, at, at the second one at the time. We um we learn each time that we do one. And we, Tom and I, we always swear that we're going to have a meeting before a meeting about a meeting that we might want to meet about a time that we could get together and talk about maybe having a meeting about the next one. That never happens. Yeah. It's still this day. We swore to each other, like, all right, look, nobody do anything until we get in a room and have coffee or bourbon or both and, <laughs> and go, okay, here's the outline, ready, go. Now they, now they book themselves. Uh, to the point to where some people are getting upset that they're not being asked, or hey man, why didn't I get a call here, or what, or or whatever. Right. Well, that's um, and and I, I keep things, I keep man. I keep on telling everybody nobody was left out on purpose. It just went from like <laughs> Chris Nix <laughs> sent me a message on the like the one before and said, "All right, guys, is everybody ready? I'm going to send out a text right now and see who wants to." Yeah. And, hey, David, go ahead and pick your song for the Stuart Copeland one. And, Tom, you pick yours. 30 minutes later, he goes, all right, we're at 27. we got to cut some guys. And he goes, that escalated quickly. Oh, yeah, by the way, you don't have songs yet. Mm-hmm. He goes, that escalated real I mean, literally within an hour, yeah. we had more drummers than we could. Than you needed. They, oh, they, they, it would be a four-hour show at that point. So right. it's like, and we think about that. We can't, like, it can't drag on. And um, so but the third one was a Jeff Beccaro one. Okay. And Tom and I will talk. We'll go like him and I just you know because Chris is not a drummer, and uh, Chris Nix. Uh, so we'll go. Hey, who do you want to do next? Whatever. Uh, number three or no, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, number three was Jeff Beccaro. And Tom just 
like a rocket. Bam, things are happening. George Lawrence is involved now. We're going out here to rehearse. We're doing this. We got these background singers. We got this. I mean, yeah. it became like it was freaking awesome. But you couldn't fit another. Do you person. feel like that that was the one, the third one? You guys were like, okay, now we know yeah, what we're doing. It became like, oh shit, we've created a monster. Yeah. Like, not like, oh yeah, it was, oh shit. Like, right. okay, this is out of hand now. Yeah. Um, so that became, and we had a lot of learning curves on that one. Every one of them we do. Okay, yeah, next time sure. we're not going to do this. Next time we're not going to yeah, do that. Yeah. Next time we're not going to announce who we're saying we're doing one for. It's all hush hush stuff. Right. So we're doing that kind of thing now. Um, uh, but the third one really, man, it was just, it, I, I wish it would have been somewhere. Not, nothing against Douglas Corner. Mervin and those guys have, have been. So it, sweet to, yeah. to put us there and let us do that. But uh, the fourth one was a John Bonham tribute, and it just got so – there were so many people outside. Yeah. You couldn't fit anybody else, and it was uncomfortable. I was going in back and forth to uh, give away um, prizes that, like, Ludwig and Zildjian and yeah. Evans and everybody donates. And I was running outside of the building because I couldn't get through the crowd to get a prize. Oh, wow. To go back and say ticket number one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. seven, won a snare drum. I I couldn't get through the crowd quick enough, and I'm like, all right, we have to move it. And that's and uh, we, and, uh, we said, well, let's do one more at Douglas Corner, and that was the John Bonham tribute. Um, now, when we decided to do the John Bonham tribute, uh, the the Jeff Beccaro one, Tom had taken that one and just went to, totally to another planet with it, awesomely. That were like, man, this was so awesome. Mm-hmm. We got to do this one again. Let's do a Jeff Beccaro part, like a because, well, hey, we did first Two one Jerry was Jerry Gaskell, second was Jerry Gaskell. Right. Let's keep that theme going. Yeah. Well, it burned us both out to where it 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 was so much work involved, and I called him. I said, okay, well, this time I want to play this song, and I think we need to get Steve Lukather involved. Call David Hungate. Let's let's start getting more Toto involved. And on the phone, Tom goes, can I be honest with you about something? And I went, yeah. And he goes, I'm kind of burnt out on that. Can we just move on and do another drummer? And I went, yeah, I feel the same way. We wow. both want to say it, but he just finally just went, dude, here's honesty, bam. And um, he goes, man, can we just do this one or do something else? Do you think you might come back? I think we will do some repeats. You have yeah. to because right. we were so we were in the baby stages on a lot of these. And I'm like, man. How cool would it be to do a Zeppelin one again, or you know, Bonham yeah, one? Right. Now at the exit in, now that we can, yeah, yeah, you know, even the long players the, do that. The, They're the, like, the, we did. How can we do a to- another yeah. Jeff Beccaro one? Yeah, because now, mm-hmm. oh, we got oh, now we know what we're doing. Right, we got it now. So uh, that turned into, um, I was on the phone and I said, well, cool. Well, who do you want to do? And he goes, man, who's in your heart? Who who do you really? Mm-hmm. You know what? What? Where, where's David want to go with this? And I went, John Bonham, and he goes, Yeah. It was just like, uh, <laughs> right? Oh, hell yeah! Like it, it, yeah. and it felt right. It didn't feel like we had to sit there and pick and da 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 da. I think I rattled off like three or four names of drummers, and when I got the bottom, he was like, Dude, oh well, there it is. Right. So, and all these by by the way, we'd have all supplied a drum kit. Like Dave Northrup brought his. Uh, kit for the Picaro one, one because he mm-hmm. sets up like Picaro for the first one 
And the third one or fourth one, I brought my kit because I had a Vista Light bottom type set, nice. even with the three rings on it and everything. Yeah. Um, so that turned into that. And then we announced at the fourth one that number five was going to be a Neil Peart yeah. one. And I remember, I wish you could have been there. Right. Been, Tell me been, the story of, uh, of what uh, Kevin Murphy said <laughs> when you guys announced yeah. Neil Peart was uh, going to be. You know, it's loud and everybody's five. drinking and being rambunctious and being boys. And, and somebody there, I don't know, goes, Neil Peart, who's going to supply the drum kit for that? Yeah. And Kevin goes, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> everybody on that side of the room, bring your even number toms. Everybody over here, bring your odd number toms. Everybody bring your symbols. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, like, sure. We were gonna, I, gonna and I, I was really like, okay, well, we're just gonna have to jelly bean this, you know? Like, yeah. Red tom, blue tom, green tom. But you didn't have you, to. You know, uh, no, I had a, a, a my um, drum rep at the time, and he still works for Ludwig. Uh, uh, Tim had had come in and um, he he brought a snare drum down for that one. And some so some of the guys from Ludwig were in town, and they support me. They treat me like I'm Alex Van Halen or Ringo Starr or somebody. Mm-hmm. They 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 really that's awesome. Ha, just go overboard with me and and treat me way better than I actually deserve. But they brought down a snare drum to give away, and he came up and he's like, "Oh, Neil Peart, huh? Like, let's you know, look, can I supply the drum kit for that?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And I thought he was talking about something that he had at his house because he mentioned something about it. I was going to say, that was your reaction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah I, sure. I was like, yeah, dude. I'm like, great. If you want to – because I'm not going to go, yeah, uh, bring it down. I'm like – yeah. Because people say they're going to do something and then – You're right. You can't – Yeah, I can't. Count, I can't. I'm not, I'm not holding you to it right now. Mm-hmm. And then we had a meeting about Ludwig stuff or whatever, and it was a dinner. And it was just me and him. And he said uh, – Tim O'Neill is his name. And he says uh, – he says, uh, so – and this is after our, we've already paid the tab. We're getting ready to leave. And he goes, so what are we going to do about this drum kit uh, for Neil, the Neil Peart National Drummer's Jam? And I said, well, I don't know. I guess what do you have? Mm-hmm. You know, like what kit do you have at your house? And he goes, well, it's not so much as what I have, but what I can build. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, I'm thinking of the, was it the Hold Your Fire tour, the, the Presto era, that yep. white kit. Uh-huh. And he goes, I'm thinking we could do that kit with this Tom. Late and, 80s, yeah, early and 90s. The, 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 yeah, the uh, concert Toms and the you know all the gong drum, kick drums. And, I, and I'm sitting across the table from him with my jaw on. I was like, are you really? Really? You going to do this? And uh, and he was like, uh, yeah, is that okay with you? And I'm like, I can't speak right now, but I just started doing this. Yes, please. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, – uh, so that day I had a I had a meeting with him. I was like, you know, I I really want you to get on Sarah Tomac and Kevin Murphy because they're these guys need to be on with Ludwig and and so I went outside and called him immediately. I was like, hey, call this number. You're on with Ludwig. Da da da. And welcome to the Ludwig family. And they're building the Neil Peart kit. I was like a little kid. Yeah. That fire yeah. I had never went away. Right. Um, so they built the kit, brought sent it in. We rehearsed with it, set it up. Uh, vintage logos. Uh, made the drum heads that you've seen. Yeah, yeah. And those were fantastic. Sabian sent in some symbols for it. And uh, Sabian even went as far as to go, because I was like, I always want to get the artists involved, as long as they're alive. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Jerry was involved with everything. Of course, Bottom's gone. Uh, so is Picaro. And, I, you know, Neil Peart is the most reclusive 
I know. But, you know, right now he's on the side of a mountain somewhere eating granola, saying, no autographs, please, and, <laughs> and reading a book. And so uh, – Writing a book. Right, right, right. Both. Reading one as and writing one, uh, you know. But he uh, – I was like, there's no way to get in contact with him. This is not going to happen. And he uh, – Sabian uh, – what is his name? Chris? Yeah. Um, uh, you asked me too fast. Yeah. Um Stanky, yeah, Chris Stanky, yeah. Uh, so God bless him. He, uh, he's. I said, well, if there, is there any way we can get Neil to sign like a poster? I wasn't thinking. Yeah, goes, and, and, and Chris and, is, hangs with Neil. Yeah. Well, this is yeah. so funny the way this went down. He goes, because uh, I said well, this is to raise money for charity. Yeah. I said we have fun and we get together and we're we. Get you didn't tell him that charity was your girlfriend. <laughs> no. Oh, you mean actually? Yeah. Are we talking about the uh, wild stallion here? No. Uh, uh, or crazy horse? I'm sorry. Not crazy. Wow. Hold on. <laughs> so, whoops. So, uh, no. Uh, we had uh, talked and he agreed to send in some uh, of the Neil Peart Paragons right. because we were like that would be only appropriate. Yeah. And you know we do get shit from people about, oh, he didn't, he wasn't a Ludwig player. He plays DW now. Da, da, da. Well, hey, look, guess what? Ludwig supports me. Who is giving you a hard time? Oh, really? the drummers from every, not not local drummers, um, but when they see advertisements and it's starting, you know, it's in Modern Drummer Magazine now. Yeah, you get comments on, you get your little trolls on Facebook. Oh, okay. All right. Mom, make me a Pop-Tart. I'm being a badass yeah. on Facebook right now. Yeah. Those guys. Right. They don't need any more minutes. You're right, right. Let's, we'll move on. So, But anyway, so um, uh, they had – we thought, well, it's only appropriate. I'm a Zildjian endorser, and they've, they've helped out a lot. But we were like, well, it's only appropriate. It's a Paragon. It's his signature symbols. We Let's do that. And if Chris can help, <clears> And so great. Chris said, look, <clears throat> I'll have him sign a splash symbol to the winner of the drawing. I said, well, cool. Send it to this address. I'll give it away that night, and I'll take a picture with the person and send it in to you for your records. And he says, no, Neil will not sign something and just put it out for whoever to own it uh, or <laughs> to the highest bidder on eBay or something, yeah, you know, because right. that's what's going to happen. Right. Uh, so he goes, uh, send me the like the, the winner of the – you know, put up a little flyer, something saying you're going to win an autograph splash symbol from Neil Peart personalized. So let's say that, you know, your wife won it. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want it made to her. She wants it made to Matt. Mm-hmm. Matthew, you know, to Matthew Krause or whatever. And let's say she wanted to surprise you for Christmas and not give it to you that day. Or mm-hmm. like, hey, I just want you this. Mm-hmm. And totally flip your lid. So give me the name of the winner. Yeah. Give me the name that he, that you want it in, to on the symbol. Address, phone number, email wow. address. Yeah. And we'll send it to that person. So a uh, a woman had come up. Uh, a buddy of mine had uh, come in to um, to do my merch stuff for me that night, or not merch, but was the, it Grace? Yeah, yeah. De Santo, De Santo. Yeah, Grace Santos. Santos, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, I've known Grace for years. Well, uh, that's so funny because a buddy of mine uh, was back there uh, doing tickets for me, and I was yeah. going back and getting a ticket every now and then, and, and he goes, "Man." He goes, I got to go pee, and I need to grab something alcoholic. I got to go get a drink right now. Can you cover for me? And I said, sure. And she had walked up right then, and I sold her a ticket. And that was the only ticket I sold all night. That was the only time I exchanged money with anybody because a buddy of mine was in charge of doing the the prizes. 
And she comes up. She's like, hey, da, da, da. I said, well, and she went. And it was like uh, we have intervals every time of by two for ten, right, four right. for 20, you know, like or whatever, you know, like five for 20 or whatever, like it doubles. And right at the last minute, she goes, you know, you know what? Here's an extra whatever. Double that for me. Mm-hmm. And I gave her a bunch of tickets. I went here. Good luck. Went up and pulled her number and she come up and I'm like, wow, the ticket I sold. Yeah, she won. won. And so I, it was uh, late December, and I went home, and I, you know, it was Christmas. People aren't in the office. Everything, music world is shut down. And so I waited until early January, and I said, "Hey, Chris, because I don't want the email to get buried." 400. You guys handed her a symbol, though. No. Uh, no. No. Okay. No. Uh, I, I basically just got her information, gotcha. and we became Facebook friends, so I could follow her in case I did lose this. Yeah. You know, like, hey, stay in contact with me. You're going to get this symbol. And so she ended up uh, getting in contact with me. Here's my address. Here's who's her. I said, well, who do you want this made to? She's like, oh, not made to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, hey, Chris, this is David. Uh, here's the here's the winner. Blah 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 blah. There you go. Please let me know when that's sent. I need to confirm with the winner, and so I don't want this coming back on me. And because um, you're scared at that point of if something else falls through, it's going to look bad on the National Drummers Jam and sure, sure. Tom and I. And so uh, I said, he, he replied back immediately. This works perfect because I'm gonna I'm having dinner with Neil tomorrow night. And of course, even though you're the Sabian rep, do you really know when you're going to see Neil next? <laughs> it might be a year from now. Yeah. It might be two hours from now. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, so it could have been a while for the symbol was delivered. The timing was great. Oh, it was perfect. Drummer. Yeah, and right. so, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. so he goes, he goes, uh, this is perfect. I'm having dinner with Neil tomorrow night. I'll have him sign one at dinner. Yeah. And so I half-assed jokingly went, well, <laughs> can you send me his fork or something or have him sign the, the napkin he uses? Cause you know, yeah. he's awesome. And he goes, I'll have him send him. I goes, I'm already ahead of you. I'm taking one to have him sign to you, too. So on my wallet home, I got two David yeah. happy travels, Neil Peart. Oh, and every time I go downstairs, I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, that's awesome. Like a little man. kid. That's awesome. And then um, on, on the, and it, it continued with number six when we did the Copeland one. Yeah. Uh, he sent in a video. I don't know if you've seen it or not. It's I on, did. It's on After YouTube. we briefly talked, and yeah, that he, was awesome. He he sent in a video, and that was he was being quirky, Stewart. Yeah. And and so each one, I've got a letter out that I just got a confirmation yesterday for number seven mm-hmm. uh, that a letter has been delivered to the artist that we're doing mm-hmm. a tribute to, yeah. for him to be a part of. I actually offered him. I said, look, if you send autographed whatever, right, drumhead drumsticks. Uh, poster snare drum yeah. whatever it is you decide you want to contribute to this I gave him the history photos right right letter it's like this is legit this yeah. is real look modern drummer boom right. and um, if you send something we will contribute number seven to the charity of your choice there's a lot more good things than just the char- charity coming out exactly. it's like the the best well ever <laughs> the, the 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 best advertisement I have for it is uh, I keep going back to Kevin Murphy but when they we we did the pre interviews that Chris Nix did um, uh, leading up to the Neil Peart yeah uh, f- number was that number five number five jam um, 
he was talking about if you can be in town for this, like we don't ever get to see each other. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we all have our own families. We all have our own whatever. Everybody's the only time we get to see each other is at a something like this. Right. So if you can come to this, come because we get to all go be dorks and bro hugs and, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, that kind of thing. But <clears throat> another thing that's coming out of it that I'll see it. Oh, man, the rehearsals are the best. The, yeah. I wish I wish you could put a video camera. <laughs> uh, We're gonna try. Yeah. Well, you are you're going to. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, I wish some of the past ones would be like the rehearsals and the sound checks, and it would have to, a lot of it have to be bleeped out. But it was it's funny. Like it's everything the drummer fans and fans of music would want to see. It's so entertaining um, to see all these guys and being goofy and whatever. Um, but you see people in a room that are meeting each other for the first time yeah. and they're huge drummers or bass players and they're, right. they know of each other, <clears throat> but hey, they're swapping numbers. Then two weeks later you hear that they're doing a gig together Yeah, yeah. because they met that day. Right. Um, the first one or the, no, it was the second one. First one or second one, Miles McPherson Philip Shouse said to me, if you don't invite, <laughs> you've got to get Miles in on this because if you don't, he'll probably cry. Like, because it's a King's X thing. Well, his dad, he's like, hey, man, my my dad plays guitar. Can he please play on the songs that I play on? I went, yeah. Cool. And so the for the first time in like 15, 20 years, they haven't played together. Oh, wow. That's and that cool. happened at the drummer's jam. So that was special. That was yeah. like really cool. <clears throat> and then, um, uh, I remember being at Brent Irving, one of my old bass players uh, at the time, at the first rehearsal at Tom's house. He goes, Dave, even if the even if the show doesn't happen tomorrow, mm-hmm. even if it gets canceled, whatever. Look at this room right now. Look at the people in this room. Yeah, this is cool. Just this would not happen any other scenario. Well, it, it, then it, <clears throat> it, it it's got to be no surprise to you that that if somebody isn't on the bill or doesn't get called for that particular one, they're like. Why not? I want to be in there, man. There's there's been a there's been a groundswell and there's been a vibe that you guys have created that that people want to be a part of it. I think the That's vibe really cool the thing. vibe is something that was always there. I think this was just opportunity. It's nothing we've mm. we've uh, I would hate to take credit for. We've created a platform for something that's yeah, always a, been there, but maybe yeah yeah. I know yeah, what you're I, saying. I just but it, it's 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 always uh, man. I I love and I get goosebumps thinking about it. And it's only one night. Or two nights out of the, out of a year that this happens to anybody else, it's just a oh, it's just a night at a a show or something. But to me, it's like look at what's going on in the room, the backstage area. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, I, I know gigs that are being like uh, offered to other play. Hey, that bass player is awesome. You know, like let's let's grab him. And, right, you know, yeah. for this next gig, and I've never. Hey, what's your number? You know that kind of thing. So it's it's good to see that that kind of opportunities arising. I mean, and because I become friends with Jerry Gaskell. Yeah. As a wow. That's. I mean, I he came to one of our shows in New Jersey, and he asked me to play on his record. He asked me to play percussion on one of his songs. Right. Right. And uh, I was in him and Da Carcos. I was like, man, you know, just to be on a record with him. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you do this for a living and you're around all the stars and do whatever and you get real jaded and you don't you don't become fan I'm not afraid to be fanboy. Uh <laughs> That's not a good point. not not in a germ way. 
yesterday we have that Germex. I call it Germex. Right, right. Uh, uh, you know, not not in a bad way, but you got to remember why you do this and that excitement. Exactly. If you don't have that excitement, that fire, mm-hmm. and that passion, you're dead and it's over. Yeah, you know, you point. might as well be doing taxes for a living and and doing something you really hate because it sure as hell ain't the money. But, no. um, <clears throat> uh, you know, Jerry comes to one of my shows. I meet him and his wife, Julie, and we talk and whatever. And he, he's talking about this album he's been working with. And I had worked with Michael Wagner previous. And we'd start talking about Michael. And he goes, and him and DA said, well, there's this one track on the song or on the record that we, we think it needs a percussion track. But, you know, and just like any other, I'm like, wow. Okay. I'm like, well, what do you want me to do on it? You know, give me a direction, mm-hmm. you know, produce me <clears throat> like I would anybody else, you know. And Jerry, if you can picture him doing this, mm-hmm. he goes, well, I want you to play what you would play, Dave. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but you're Jerry Gaskell, and I want to make you happy. And he goes, well, you will just play what – you go be David Parks. Right, right. And you will make me happy with it. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, boy, no pressure. <laughs> and and he's like, well, you know, Jerry's a drummer, and he don't need somebody to go shake a tambourine or play a Tom part. You know what I mean? Like, he can do whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. The reason he wanted me to do it is because – not that I'm – some great percussionist or drummer or whatever, he was just like, well, go be you. Yeah. And that's going to – you're going to come up with something that I wouldn't have thought of. If he would have asked you to do it, it would have been something exactly. that, that – Exactly. That's the so thing, yeah. It's that yeah. he gets the whole flavor and that imperfection yeah. of what's going to – this stew was made by all these people putting their ingredients in it, no matter how small or how big. And um, But you still got to have chops and musicality. Oh, yeah, f- sure. friendship is sure, sure, part sure. of it, but man, uh, but, you know, trust to, do, to yeah. do that, that's awesome. Yeah, the, the fact that he trusted me to do it, and then and uh, I wasn't really sure. It was like over a year and a half ago when I did this track. Yeah. And in uh, last week, it came out, you know, Rat Pack Records and blah, 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 the new Jerry Gaskell album. And I was like, I don't even, I'm going to be honest with you, as I'm telling you this right now, I don't remember the name of the track that I played on because <laughs> it was a year ago. I yeah. don't remember the session yeah, I did. Maybe you can find out. But uh, yeah, sure. And, but um, I was like, man, you know what? My track probably ended up on the cutting room floor. It's probably not only on the record. And then the the ad came out, the poster, and yeah. it, boom, doom, doom. Matt Farley, D.A. Carcos, Matt Gray, David Parks. I was like, wow. I was a little awesome. kid. I went from thirty nine to nine because <laughs> I went and. There's a lot of guys in Nashville that's too cool for, yeah, I'm on that record. Da, 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 da. Man, just to have my name next to Jerry's or be in sure, that capacity man. or be sure. Matt Farley, those guys, they are so good musicians. And to be even included in a whatever, I'm just honored. December 14th, because this interview is definitely coming out long. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, uh, December 14th. Mark it on your calendars, kitties. Yeah. Exit in. Exit in. Great venue, great. I love love having it there. It's uh, you know ample room backstage, ample room out front. Great, great. I love I love that venue. Yeah, check it out. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, David, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, great being here. Honored to be on this after all the play. Like, what am I gonna do after Kevin Murphy, Trey Gray, and Greg Morrow? What do I got to say? Let the rest of us. Appreciate. You. Thank you, man. Yeah, Dave. Thanks, man. Great interview. Thanks for sharing all the stuff that's been going on with you. And thanks for getting Working Drummer Podcast involved in the Drummer's Jam coming out December 14th. 
Dave and Tom have asked us to get involved, and we're going to do whatever we can to share the information with you and do some behind-the-scenes video and during-the-show backstage video. And we're very excited and very honored to be asked to participate in that. Again, find us on um, Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff. iTunes, where you can subscribe, and YouTube. I failed to mention that in the intro. Thank you, Mike Jackson, for helping me put this out. Mike is becoming an in-demand engineer here in Nashville, so any amount of time I can get from him to help me with this is great. And so, uh, again, thanks, Mike, for helping me produce this and get this out to all you listeners. On the website, we received a comment on one of the podcasts from a Tony Ray Jones. I want to read this real quick. Love these interviews. I'm not a drummer. I'm a studio owner. Thanks for doing this. Very informative. Thanks, Tony Ray. Thank you, Tony Ray. I appreciate that. Uh, Guys, you can send uh, comments, questions, Facebook, on the website, Twitter, anything, uh, iTunes, comments, you can leave there. That's always super great. Hopefully we'll see you December 14th at the Exit Inn here in Nashville. Come and say hi to me, and I hope to see you around. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.